All right, welcome to another episode of the BHP Bible History Project, and today we're going to continue our study concerning the book of Revelation. We are on the topic of the trumpets, and so we concluded the study of the seven seals, but of course the seventh seal is broken down into seven trumpets, and it is our belief that the events that were contained or described in the seals and the trumpets, most of them have been fulfilled historically. Last week, we talked about the third trumpet. And just to give you a recap of everything that we have studied so far concerning the trumpets, we believe concerning our studies, 1914 was the fulfillment of trumpet number one, which was World War number one, 1939 trumpet number two, which was World War number two, and 1986 trumpet number three, which was the Chernobyl, which happens to mean Wormwood, Chernobyl, explosion. So we can see the sequence of historical events, 1914, 1939, and 1986. We're going to look at the pattern of the trumpets later on, and we're going to show you what its purpose and meaning is. But for now, we will look at trumpet number four. And because we believe they happen sequentially in uh, historical accounts, we know that this trumpet number four is going to be fulfilled after, not before, 1986. So without further ado, let's go ahead and look into the fourth trumpet. Let's read Revelation 8, verse 12. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. So that is the content of the fourth trumpet, it's only one passage. This is why when we look at this passage, um, it's very, very difficult to interpret and explain without looking at it and explaining it literally. Because when you have something this short, you can only accept it literally and not symbolically. And so we're going to look at historical fulfillments or a, a historical fulfillment of this fourth trumpet. But before we do so, there are some interpreters, some religious groups who look at this passage and give various interpretations or explanations concerning its fulfillment. And so I'd like to cite some of the other possible interpretations of Revelation 8 verse 12, if that's okay with everyone before we go to what I believe is the actual fulfillment of Revelation 8 12. And so we'll go to the last Chronicles. It's a website. Um, by a certain religious group. And it, when you go there, you can look at the seven seal part 11. And in part 11, it quotes Revelation 8, 12 to 13 in the RSV. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon, a third of the stars so that a third of the light was darkened. A third of the day was kept from shining and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew in mid-heaven. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the base, at the blast of the other trumpets, which the three angels are about to blow. And so according to the last chronicles, they're going to give an explanation of what this event that will take place after the blowing of the fourth trumpet is. And so they begin by quoting Revelation 8, 12 to 13. But take note, Revelation 13 is not part of the blowing of the fourth trumpet. It simply is there to tell us that the last three trumpets 
are considered to be woes. Woe, woe, woe. There are three woes which correspond to the last three trumpets. So that's what verse 13 is about. As far as a description of the event which will take place after the blowing of the fourth trumpet, that is in Revelation 8 verse 12. And so according to them, how was this fulfilled? Let's read their explanation. In the first part of the prophecy, the darkening of the third part of the sun, moon, and stars were, uh, was mentioned. Its fulfillment was the Axis powers who incited Second World, the Second World War. The eagle symbolizes the United States warning of a more widespread catastrophe to the world brought about by war due to their involvement. And so that's the explanation of the event that will take place right after the blowing of the fourth trumpet. According to their explanation or interpretation, this was fulfilled with the Axis powers who incited the World, world War Number 2. Now, how many of you remember the Axis powers? There are basically three major nations at play, and they work together under the banner, the Axis powers of World War II, and they were Nazi Germany, the Empire of Japan, and the Kingdom of Italy. So they formed together an, a, a, a power, a military strength, because they had a common agenda, and they were referenced by history books as the Axis powers. So how did the Axis powers, Nazi Germany, Japan in Italy, how did they conspire to fulfill the fourth trumpet? Let's read the explanation again of the last chronicles. Uh, like a fast moving whirlwind, Germany conquered France, attacked the cities in Britain, and invaded Russia. Greece and Yugoslavia, as well as Egypt, were invaded by Italy. Pearl Harbor was attacked by Japan, which has caused the great embarrassment of the United States. These were the events that followed the angel's blow of the fourth trumpet. So the explanation of the website, The Last Chronicles, is that the fulfillment of the event that takes place after the blowing of the fourth trumpet is Germany conquering France and Britain and Russia. And then Italy invading Greece and Yugoslavia and Japan attacking Pearl Harbor in the United States. And so that's the fulfillment of the fourth trumpet after it is blown. So that's the explanation, the Axis powers invading certain nations that would incite World War number two. And when we look at the actual content of Revelation 8:12, the fourth angel sounded, third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, third of the stars, and so that a third of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. So when you read this passage, and when you look at the explanation of the last chronicles, is there a match there? It doesn't seem to be a match, right? As a matter of fact, I believe it was not the fulfillment. The Axis powers was not the fulfillment of the fourth trumpet. And there are three reasons why I believe that. Reason number one, it's out of sequence from the previous three trumpet events. Now, one might say, well, what if the website doesn't believe in your interpretation that the first three events was fulfilled in World War I, World War II, and the Chernobyl explosion? Okay, that's a fair statement. However, when you look at the explanation 
that the Axis powers, which caused World War Number Two, it's also the World War Two is best described not in Revelation chapter eight, uh, verse twelve, but in Revelation chapter eight, where it describes the second trumpet. But most of all, uh, there is no relationship, symbolic or otherwise, that connect the work of the Axis powers to the darkening of the sun, moon, and stars. This is why it's arbitrary, completely with no connection whatsoever, to say that the Axis powers invading certain nations leading to World War II was the fulfillment of the fourth trumpet. So when we look at Revelation 8 and the verses 12, we know it cannot be what the last chronicles is teaching as its fulfillment. I think logically speaking, we can see that, right? And so let's look at another possible explanation. There are those who look at this passage and they read it. They know it has to be a literal interpretation. So there are people who look at it and know this must be literal because there's nothing about it that tells us it's symbolic because it's so short. Usually when it's a longer uh, passage, there are certain symbolisms that you can use and interpret it with some, uh, with some symbolism. But this is obviously a literal fulfillment of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so there are those who were looking for how it was fulfilled in history. And some have suggested, could it be the Gulf War? So what's the fourth trumpet fulfilled in the Gulf War? What was the Gulf War? What happened during that event? Well, the Persian Gulf War started August 2, 1990, and continued until February 28, 1991. On January 23rd, Saddam Hussein ordered the dumping of 400 million gallons of crude oil into the Persian Gulf as a deliberate means to keep U.S. Marine forces from coming ashore. This caused the largest offshore oil spill in history at that time. And so something happened during the Persian Gulf War. Saddam Hussein purposely dumped 400 million gallons of crude oil into the Persian Gulf. What was its purpose? Let's read uh, in, the in, in the same book. Before retreating from Kuwait in February 1991, Iraqi troops had set about 700 oil wells on fire to prevent the U.S. from taking advantage of the oil fields. And so when the oil fields were set on fire, you can imagine there's going to be great smoke up in the air. And so what's going to happen to the sunlight, the moonlight, and the starlight? It's going to be obscured. And so they believe that was the fulfillment of the fourth trumpet. But I don't believe the Persian Gulf War was the fulfillment of the fourth trumpet. And there are reasons why I don't believe that. And one reason is, first of all, it's not a milestone. It was not unprecedented. Because when you look at the previous events, World War Number 1, unprecedented. Nothing like that ever happened before. Where war was fought between all the nations. All the nations were practically involved. World War Number 2 was a milestone because for the first time, uh, the Hiroshima bomb, I mean, a nuclear bomb, an atomic bomb was used. And it caused vast destruction, which is why in the description of World War Number Two, it specifically told us how it looked like, right? Mountain, that a, a mountainous fire that engulfed uh, the sea. 
and the Chernobyl accident, this was also unprecedented and it, nothing like that has happened before. And so that's one of the reasons why I don't believe the Persian Gulf War was a fulfillment of the fourth trumpet. It was not a milestone. It was not unprecedented. Number two, it did not have a lingering influence. It did not cause a lasting impact in society, unlike the first three trumpets. And lastly, it was a local event, Persian Gulf, right? I mean, only the people within the area of the Persian Gulf would have the sun, the moon, and the stars obscured, right? And so it was a local event, the Persian Gulf War. And the fourth trumpet is a global event. So because of these three reasons, it's unlikely that the fourth trumpet was fulfilled in the Persian Gulf War. So how was it fulfilled? Well, when we look at this passage, like what we said, we need to look for a literal interpretation or literal fulfillment because it's about the darkening of the sun, moon, and stars, and it did not shine. And so when we think of a literal fulfillment of Revelation 8, 12, there are two distinct possibilities. What are they? Possibility number one, all the sun, moon, and stars decrease in luminosity by 33 uh, by 33 percent you you see why we got why we have 33 percent right actually it should be 33.33333 percent one third basically right and so that's one possibility another possibility is something happens to the global atmosphere which creates a covering or screening effect that reduces solar radiation reaching the earth by 33 percent so two possibilities i mean could it be number one that the sun, moon, and stars decrease in luminosity or brightness by 33%. Well, it could happen, but when we study the sun and we measure the luminosity or solar radiance or radiation of the sun, I mean, astronomers and physicists will tell you the sun's been increasing in brightness, not decreasing. It's increasing in brightness by about 10% every billion years until it runs out of hydrogen, which is not going to happen until many uh, billions of years from now. And so it's not increasing. I mean, it's not decreasing in brightness. It is increasing in brightness. Now, can Yahuwah do something about the sun to cause it supernaturally to decrease? Absolutely, right? And so it could be a supernatural literal event because Yahuwah has that kind of power. Because remember, with the breath of Yahuwah, all creation was uh, all creation appeared. And so there's nothing impossible with Yahuwah. However, I believe the second possibility is something that is more relevant when it comes to the trumpets. And we will show you why later on. So something happens to the atmosphere, which creates a covering or screening effect that reduces solar radiation reaching the earth by 33%. Now, is this biblical? Can it be biblically established that one way to darken the sun is by creating a covering or screening effect in the atmosphere? Ezekiel 32, uh, 32 verse 7, when I put out your light, I will cover the heavens and make its stars dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon shall not give her light. And so here in the book of Ezekiel, it mentions the light of the stars and the sun covered, that the light of the sun is put out 
And so it was put out, not by causing the sun to disappear, but because of a cover. So there was a covering effect by the clouds. So in that sense, biblically speaking, the same, uh, the same verbiage applied here is also applied in Revelation chapter 8, that the obscuring of the sun, the darkening of the sun, is explained by the cloud. This is also true in Revelation 9 verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. So here we have the sun that was darkened. And that's what we're talking about in Revelation chapter 8 and the verses 12, right? The sun, the stars, and the moon were darkened. In this instance, in Revelation 9 2, how was it darkened? Not because the luminosity was reduced, but because of the smoke. And so we believe, at least I believe, that the fulfillment of the fourth trumpet, where it describes the sun, the moon, and the stars diminishing in luminosity, was fulfilled in this manner. The sun, the moon, and the stars were all together darkened by some smoke screening, some smoke screening effect, rather than to say that the celestial bodies dimmed in its luminosity or in reality. Now, what we need to look into now is why does the Bible say a third of them were darkened, right? And so a third of, the, the, of them were darkened. Well, how was that fulfilled? The sun, the moon, the stars, was this fulfilled in history? First question. Second question, did it reduce uh, luminosity by about 33%? Third question, did, it, did this occur after 1986? So let's look at some studies that were done. And what does it tell us about our subject or our topic today? Well, I'm going to look, going to share with you this study, recent changes in solar radiation under cloudy conditions in Germany. You might be saying, Germany? Cloudy conditions? Doesn't make sense, but it'll make sense later on. Let me just go ahead and and share with you the study. A study published in the International Journal of Climatology in 1997 investigated recent changes in the solar radiation at two sites in Germany. So they set up labs in Germany and they have detectors or machines that are, that are able to measure the amount of solar radiation. It concluded that the global solar radiation for overcast conditions decreased by an average rate of 8% per decade between 1964 and 1990, which accounts for over 20% reduction in the solar radiation for overcast conditions during the period. So in this study, they went to Germany, established measuring um, equipment, to determine how much global radiation is being received by the earth from the sun, okay? And so according to the study from 1964 to 1990, per decade, there was an 8% decrease in global solar radiation. And so this accounts for about 20% during that span of time. And so what did they say was the cause of it? They said, according to the study, possible reasons. So they're not sure. They can't confirm it for the reduced solar radiation are partly due to the aircraft traffic increasing the occurrence of cirrus clouds and an indirect aerosol effect. 
And so something happened to the atmosphere because of traffic, right? And cirrus clouds and aerosol. What is aerosol? What is that? Isn't that what you use for hairspray? I think aerosol, hairspray. This was a big thing back in the 90s. And one of the reasons why it was a big thing was because studies like this, because it wasn't just done in Germany, but all over the world. They found something's happening with the luminosity that we're receiving on Earth from the sun, moon, and stars. However, there's a problem, though, with that study in, in relation to our desire to know how it was fulfilled. Speaking, of course, of Revelation 8.12. First of all, it was the study was done in overcast conditions. I mean, if we're going to look at the fulfillment of Revelation 8.12, it should not be limited to overcast conditions, but all conditions. But like what we said, this was just the beginning of many studies conducted worldwide during this time. And there's another study um, that was done, as reported by Liepert. Um, by the way, he's one of the foremost uh, authorities when it comes to global dimming studies. And so here's a study that was conducted and published um, back in 1997. Another study shows that the global solar radiation was reduced at all eight stations in Germany, except, my goodness, Braunschweig. Did I pronounce that right? Over 27 years, period up until 1990 for all sky conditions. This is not just overcast conditions, but for all sky conditions, the average decline of the daily means is 4% per decade. And it's statistically significant for five out of the eight stations. So this was the data from the eight stations. And so they spread them out, right? And according to the five, it was a statistically significant decline of 4% per decade. And so this was uh, pretty conclusive during that time. There was something happening with the sun, moon, and stars. We were not receiving luminosity in a stable manner. It was decreasing by the decade. And all, and all, they also reported in that same study that although the present study is limited to only a few German stations, each affected by local conditions, we believe, according to the scientists who worked, who, who worked this study, we believe that the results are reasonably representative of rural, industrial, as well as urban environments of Western and Central Europe. And so they generalized the study that was conducted there in Germany to apply not just to rural, industrial, but all of the urban environments of Western and Central Europe. So that was Europe. Let's go to China. There was also a study that was conducted there. A similar study conducted in China arrived at similar conclusions. The study published in Geophysical Research Letters in 2008 reveals the long-term trends in sunshine duration over two provinces in China. The researchers applied the data of sunshine duration and cloud amount to, from 184 stations across the YGP from the year 1961 to 2005 and found that over this 45 year period, annual sunshine duration decreased mostly north of 24 degrees north on the YGP at a rate of 11.8% per decade. That's a significant reduction in luminosity. And an overall decline in annual sunshine, 
duration over the, uh, the northern YGP dramatically accelerated from the 1970s to 80s with its maximum rate in the 1980s. So according to this study from China, there was an observable and palpable decline in the luminosity of the sun reaching China and the, the rate of decrease is 11.8% per decade. And it spanned all the way from 1961 to 2005, but the dramatic acceler acceleration or this acceleration of the decline is from 1970s to 80s and maximum and during the 1980s. And so definitely not just Germany, but Chinese scientists also detected this decrease in luminosity. Uh, let's not go now to Japan. The sunshine from spring to autumn in northern Japan has obviously decreased in the late 1980s and the 1990s. And the period of little sunshine has become longer since the mid 1980s. In central and western Japan, a period of relatively little sunshine often appeared in late spring during the 1950s and the early 1960s. In the Southwest Islands, sunshine duration has been decreasing almost all through the year. As a result, a temporal, uh, temporal fine weather period around April has disappeared. What are the physical mechanisms of the cli climatic variations that explain the secular change of seasonal transitions of sunshine duration revealed in the present study. The time and spatial scales of these variations are relatively large. Thus, a local scale, scale air pollution does not seem to be the main reason. It seems that the decadal scale modulations of the seasonal cycle of atmospheric circulation patterns exist in East Asia, and the causes may be natural climatic variations and or long-term anthropogenic climate changes such as global warming. And so according to this paper they discovered in Japan, they also observed the same pattern that they found in China, Germany, right? And so there was a decreasing in sunshine duration. They're trying to give an explanation and they're thinking maybe it's local air pollution but it's not because it, can, it cannot explain it by itself. But when we talk about global air pollution, that is more of an acceptable answer. And one of the uh, reasons that caused this, according to the study, was could be global warming. And so these are possible reasons for why there's this global dim, dimming happening uh, throughout the world. Here's another study, again, by Beat Leeper. Uh, another study stated that observations of solar radiation decline steadily occurred from the 1950s since systematic measurement on the solar radiation started. On average, it was reported that from the late 1950s to the early 1990s, the solar radiation declined as much as 5% worldwide. And so um, someone conducted a study, and this time he took measurements in different places throughout the world. Okay. And what they found was ever since they started to measure a luminosity, solar radiation, back in the 1950s, they noticed a very alarming pattern. 
of luminosity, solar radiation from the sun reaching the earth, it was declining as much as 5% worldwide. And it depends on which places you go to. And according to Liepert as well, in another study he said the decline varied depending on the sites. In Antarctica, the solar radiation to the Earth's surface dropped 9%. That's a significant drop. In the US, it was reduced by 10% during that period. That's also a significant drop. In parts of the British Isles, 16% decrease was observed. In Israel, 16%, uh, 22% was observed. In Russia, there was an almost 30% drop. And in Hong Kong, the sunlight decreased by 37%. And so depending on uh, where you were at, you would observe different results. But the pattern of diminishing sunlight was evident throughout the entire world. What is um, noteworthy is the fact that in some places like Russia and Hong Kong, it reached the 33% mark. This is why we can say, you know, if this was kept, if it kept going and going and going, it would certainly reach the 33% mark. And so because of this study, it caused many scientists throughout the world, what's happening? What is causing this phenomenon called global dimming? This phenomenon called global dimming did not exist until they began to measure the luminosity, solar radiation that came from the sun to the earth. And so when they observed the pattern, wait a minute, it's decreasing really, really drastically. We need to do something about this. So before you can do something about it, you have to find out the cause, right? And so what was the cause according to the scientists? So what's going on in the world? Here it is, pollution. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Pollution dims sunlight in two ways. First, it bounces incoming light off the airborne particles and back into space. Second, the pollution causes more water droplets to condense out of the air, leading to darker, thicker clouds, which of course block more sunlight. That's number two, global warming also contributes to dimming. Warmer air holds more water, and when condensed, the warmer clouds are heavier, darker. For that reason, the dimming appears to be more pronounced on cloudy days than sunny ones. So according to the scientists who are working and trying to figure out what was causing the phenomenon called global dimming, which in some places reached like 37% decline in luminosity, something was going on. And the main culprit they said was pollution, okay? Second culprit, global warming. So pollution, global warming, actually pollution, global warming, they go together. And it's part, and we can lump it all together with the problem of global dimming. So global dimming, the phenomenon described in Revelation 8, can be explained by pollution and by global warming. And so because that was the conclusion, what did the people all over the world decide to do? There was this campaign to stop using hairspray. <laughs> right? There's this campaign to cut air pollution. And so when they did that, something happened. In Western Europe, the steps we have taken to cut air pollution have started to bear fruit in a noticeable improvement in air quality and even a slight reduction in global dimming over the last few years. Yet at the same time, after decades in which they held steady, European temperatures have started rapidly to rise, culminating in the savage summer of 2003. So when they started to clear the air, remove the pollution, stop using the aerosol sprays, there was 
an effect in global dimming. There was a slight reduction in global dimming over the last few years. Take note, when this was published, it was back in 2005. And so when the author states that there was a slight reduction in global dimming over the last few years, it meant the sharp decrease in global dimming kind of stopped right before 2000, maybe 2003, right? So before 2005. And so before 2005, from the 1950s all the way to the 1990s, it kept decreasing and decreasing and decreasing until there were some places that reached a third, right? 33% diminished um, solar radiation. So now we can put like perhaps a year to the fulfillment of the fourth trumpet. Of course, we cannot give an exact, unlike Chernobyl, World War I, World War II, where we can give an exact date. In this instance, it would be impossible to put an exact date, but we can put an approximate date because it's, we can reasonably assume that right before 2000 happened, it already reached its maximum uh, deceleration, uh, decrease, Decrease, decrease the, the uh, reduction rate, reach its maximum uh, around two, the, year, the year 2000. So that will be the apex. And so we can say that a third of, this, of them were darkened and this was fulfilled the year 2000. So what we have is 1914, World War I, 1939, World War II, 1986, the Chernobyl or Wormwood explosion and then 2000 global Dimming. And so this fits the description of Revelation 8, 12 to 13. Now let's go to verse 13, because it tells us something that we need to look out for. Let's read what it says in verse 13. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, woe, 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 three woes, right? So the last three trumpets are the three woes. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So the Bible tells us uh, something about the trumpets. The trumpets, when we look at the pattern, we're going to see that the nature of how and why it happened upon the earth in the first place. So the trumpets will affect the inhabitants of the earth, right? It will affect the earth. It will affect the inhabitants of the earth. When we look at the seven trumpets, 1914, 1939, 1986, year 2000. So far, we can already detect the pattern. I don't know if you can see the pattern, right? Do you see any pattern? What kind of what kind of events are the events being described by the first four trumpets? And based on that, we can deduce that the next succeeding trumpets will be of the same nature. For example, 1914, trumpet number one, World War One. What did what happened in World War One? People ended up killing themselves, right? They brought destruction upon the earth. Remember the, the trees were uprooted because of the, the shell, the, the explosive that were used. Remember uh, trench warfare? So the earth was vastly destroyed. The, tree, the trees were uprooted. World War II, what did they use? What bomb? Atomic bomb, right? Chernobyl, what happened to the radiation? It affected what? The waters. It affected the waters. 
The radiation caused a lot of people's sickness. Many people died, millions and millions of people. And it, was effect, it affected uh, a big portion, a great amount of the bodies of water. Trumpet four, global dimming, it affected the whole world, right? And what was the cause of the global dimming? Pollution in the air, right? And so what do you see so far with the events of trumpet one, two, three, and four? What's, what contributed to the destruction upon the earth and upon human beings? What contributed? Yeah, mankind's science. Mankind's use of wisdom. You see, what this tells us is mankind's ability to destroy or harm the earth and each other is what is reflected in the trumpets. Why is that? And why do we know for sure? We get this clue. We know more about this pattern that we can already see in the first four. But when we look and jump to the seventh trumpet, which is what I'm gonna do next, we're gonna look at the seventh trumpet and then we're gonna show you the pattern and the purpose of this pattern. Okay, Revelation 11, 15 to 18. And the seventh angel sounded, what is that? The seventh angel sounding. That's the seventh trumpet. That's the last trumpet. That's the third woe. Okay. When the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of Yahuwah and of his Christ, and ye shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Yahuwah Elohim Almighty, the one who is and who was and who was to come, because you have taken your great power and reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. So the Bible says, when the seventh trumpet is blown, there's going to be a dramatic shift in power, right? Before mankind had dominion over the earth, of course, influenced by the enemy, right? The devil. But in the seventh trumpet, there's a transfer of power. The Bible says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of Yahuwah, and of his Christ. So the seventh trumpet is a transfer of power, right? Everything is surrendered to who? Yahusha. King Yahusha appears, the Harpazo, and the kingdoms of the earth are given to him. So that was the start, the authority now, you know, the kingdoms of the earth are given to him. That was the beginning of change for earth. And so when Yahusha is going to appear again on the seventh trumpet that's going to usher in the seven what comes after the trumpets the seven trumpet has seven bowls the seven bowls of the wrath of yahuwah but those who belong to yahusha they'll be taken out they will not experience the wrath of yahuwah and so yahusha the beginning of radical change upon the earth is going to happen when the seventh trumpet is blown. And what we notice in this pattern, in trumpet one, all the way to trumpet seven, Yahushua is receiving this kingdom because mankind, when it was given to him, 
Did he do a good job? Mankind did not do a good job. In fact, instead of taking care of the earth, what did he do? He ended up destroying the earth, which is the indictment in Revelation 11, when Yahusha becomes king and everything will be subject to him, right? In verse 18, it says, the, the nations were angry and your wrath has come. Because after this, the unleashing of the seven bowls of wrath. And you should reward your servants. And then look at the last part. And you should destroy those who destroy the earth. And so the seventh trumpet event, when Yahuwah's wrath is going to be unleashed upon the earth, it tells us the reason why Yahuwah is transferring the authority and power over the earth to our King Yahushua. Because mankind, when they had governance over the earth, what did they do uh, with the earth? They destroyed the earth. And this is what we find in, Revel in the seven trumpets, 1914, 1939, 1986, 2000. From the 1900s up until the 7th trumpet, up until the 6th trumpet, mankind has used his wisdom and applied it for destruction. You notice something in the 1900s? You know what happened in the 1900s? 1900s, beginning then, was when the knowledge and the scientific explosion came back. People became more and more scientific. People became more and more knowledgeable. Discovery, scientific uh, formulas, advances in technology. It all started in the 1900s. But how did they apply um, the technology and the science it, to destroy each other? Like war, right? World War II, the atomic bomb. So the smarter human beings became, the more they were able to destroy each other and the earth. This is why when they built a nuclear reactor, what happened to it? It exploded, right? And then global dimming because of the pollution, because they misuse their authority, their power, and their wisdom. And so we can know, we, we, are, we, we can only advance the trumpet five and trumpet six is also going to be catastrophic in the sense it's going to harm the earth, the sea, the air, because of the capabilities of humankind as they advance in science and technology. And so the trumpets tell us, trumpets one to six, tell us that human beings, instead of taking care and managing the earth and becoming good as stewards of the earth and its resources, they're going to destroy the earth, its atmosphere, its wildlife, its seas, and they will destroy each other. And this is going to be uh, very evident when we look at trumpet five and six. So all trumpets, one all the way to six, it's describing human beings destroying each other and destroying the earth. And this is not good. Because ever since the beginning, what was the mandate of Yahuwah for human beings? In Genesis 1, 27, 31, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it correctly, right? Don't misuse the resources of the earth. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then Elohim said, look. I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. 
And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then Elohim looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, making the sixth day. And so what was the mandate of Yahuwah? What was his instruction? His commandment to mankind. He was to govern, to subdue, to manage, to be good stewards of the earth, including its life, including its trees, including the birds of the air, the whole earth. When it says the whole earth, it includes the atmosphere. And so mankind was given dominion over everything, over the earth, to take care of it, not to destroy it. Certainly not to destroy humankind or mankind. So I'm going to ask you again. Mankind, given all of his intellect and the discoveries and advancement he has made over the years in science, technology, medicine, question, has he taken a good job? He's, has he made it? Did, he do a, did they do a good job in taking care of the earth? Not at all, right? This is why we describe, and the reason why they failed is because of Isaiah 24, 3 down to 6. The earth will lie shattered and ruined. So the earth is not maintained well. Mankind failed. He messed up. Yahuwah has spoken and it will be done. The earth dries up and withers. The whole world grows weak. Both the earth and the sky decay. Yes, we know that earth creation was subject to decay and death because of the sin in the Garden of Eden, right? However, what we find is instead of being a force to abate that de uh, decay, mankind has accelerated that decay. And so earth dries up and withers. The whole world grows weak. Both earth and the sky decay, which is why we're not surprised during our time, there's so many, there's so much climate-related disasters throughout the world. You notice that? Right? It's happening now because the world is falling apart. Why is it falling apart? Because human beings are destroying the sky, the atmosphere. They're destroying wildlife. They're destroying the earth and the trees, and they're killing one another. Both the earth and the sky decay. What else? The people have defiled the earth by breaking Elohim's laws and by violating the command he made to last forever. So Elohim has pronounced a curse on the earth. Its people are paying for what they have done. Fewer and fewer remain alive. And so the earth was severely mismanaged by mankind, right? And one of the reasons why it was severely mismanaged is because mankind... They disregarded. They completely ignored. What did they completely ignore? Yahuwah's laws, specifically the Ten Commandments. Haven't you noticed since 1963, when they outlawed, when they removed the Bible, when they removed the teaching of the Ten Commandments from the schools? Because before then, in the schools, the Ten Commandments was being taught. And since it was removed from the schools, what happened to morality? It went down. Swiftly it went down. They rejected Yahuwah. And you know what they replaced the teaching of the Ten Commandments with? Evolution, Darwin, humanism. You see what happened? Instead of giving reverence for Yahuwah who created all things, 
They invented this lie that we were all evolved. We all evolved, not created, but we evolved from random forces and random chances. And so because of this, Yahuwah said, he placed a curse on the earth, right? And so everything is kind of falling at a very swift pace. Now, it's interesting because when the Bible says curse, and Yahuwah indeed has cursed the earth, but this, there are different kinds of curses. And when we think of a curse, we think of people dying early, people getting sick, right? People getting enslaved. And so it's like people are destined for destruction. That's what a curse is. But there's a kind of curse. There's a curse that we don't ever want to happen to us. And it's a frightening thing to receive this kind of curse. Because when a person or when a society or when the earth receives this curse from Yahuwah, it's going to end up in wrath. I'll show you how that happens. Romans 1, 18 and 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by the wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, Allahim's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood uh, from what has been made so that men are without excuse. And so before wrath, there's the curse. But when wrath is manifested, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And why is wrath destined for the earth? Because people have suppressed the truth. How do they suppress the truth? They rejected Allahim and his power over creation. They rejected him as Allahim who created all things and relegated him into the figment of man's imagination. This is why Apostle Paul says we should not even debate whether or not Elohim exists. Apostle Paul says his power is made manifest for all of us to see. It's plain as daylight. Just look at creation. Look at the galaxies. Look at the earth. Look at human life. When we examine human life, we don't need to debate whether or not Elohim exists. It is evident. Apostle Paul says he exists. But humankind, they suppress the truth. They exchanged the commandments of God with, what was it again? Evolution. They inserted evolution in there. And so the moment they began to exercise their intellect, their Allahim given intellect, and they became more and more smart. They became smarter. They became more sophisticated in their science and technology. All of a sudden, they reject the creator. Romans 1, 21, 23. Yes, they knew Allahim. But they wouldn't worship him as Elohim or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what Elohim was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. And so they rejected the biblical idea, the biblical truth about who Elohim is. And so they came up with different ideas. The impersonal Elohim, the universe, they call it. Pantheism, they call it. And so they began to think of new ideas because they would reject the Elohim. That is taught to us in the Holy Bible. Claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshipping the glorious ever living Elohim. They worshipped idols. Made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. They traded the truth about Elohim for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things Elohim created. Instead of the creator himself. Who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. And so what happened was. 
you know, people rejected Elohim and they invented something else to replace Elohim. Instead of giving thanks and worshiping him, they exchange him for a lie. The lie of evolution, the lie of pantheism. And so they rejected the truth about Elohim. And because of this, their minds became dark and confused. Now here comes the curse. This is a frightening thing. You know, there are different kinds of curses, but this curse is perhaps the most frightening curse that Yahuwah can ever lay on a person or a nation. Do you know what it is? This curse? Here it is. You might not think of it as a curse, but uh, we just keep reading. We read 28 to 32. This is what it says. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge Elohim, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do the things that should never be done. Want to pause there for a while? That's the worst kind of curse there is. When Yahuwah says to a people, you don't want to acknowledge me? You don't want to believe in me? You want to do your own thinking? Okay, have it your way. I'm not going to interfere with your actions anymore. Do whatever you want. I'm going to step out. That's what the Bible's telling us here. When Yahuwah said, I'm going to step out. When Yahuwah says, I'm going to step out and do whatever you want. That's the beginning of downfall. That's the beginning of a curse that will lead to the wrath of Elohim. It's like, you know, imagine, let's imagine a room of kindergartners or a room of third graders. The teacher is there, right? When the teacher is there, are they behaved? Yeah, they control their impulses, right? What if the teacher steps out? What happens to the kids? They start fighting. They do whatever they want, right? They don't study. They don't read. They do whatever they want. And then the teacher walks back in. What happens? Maybe some of them behave. Maybe some of them, no, they, they still don't want to listen to their teacher. And so what is, what's the worst thing the teacher can do? Step out of the room. What happens when the teacher steps out of the room? Mayhem, chaos. It can be a jungle in there. They might end up killing each other, right? It's the same thing. When Yahuwah saw the people of the world and they rejected him, replaced him. Yahuwah said, have it your way. I'm going to abandon you to your feet. And when Yahuwah did that, basically, Yahuwah let them do the things that should never be done. Look at the result. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backbiters, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent New ways of sinning. And they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know Allahim's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. I mean, just look at the laws being passed today, right? Allowing for abortion, homosexual marriage, so on and so forth. And so Yahuwah is basically telling him, you don't want to acknowledge me? You don't want to acknowledge me? Do it your way then. And when that happens, it's going to crash. Humanity's going to crash. And when Yahuwah says, and this is the worst part, when Yahuwah says to humanity, I'm going to step out and do whatever you want. I'm not going to interfere. Do whatever you want. You know who's going to step in? <laughs> when Yahuwah steps out, guess who wants to step in? Second Corinthians. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the mind of those who don't 
believe. And so when a person rejects Elohim and Elohim steps out, Satan becomes more of a potent influence over their thinking, over the desires of their heart. And so we can see humanity today, they have a big problem, right? And ever since the fall of the Garden of Eden, it's becoming worse and worse and worse. In fact, today, we're facing so much human problems, so many problems in the earth, wars and rumors of wars, diseases, atrocities of uh, betraying human beings, each one after the other, human rights violations, even amongst people who believe in religion. Right? And so we see the problem of mankind, the root cause is because they rejected Elohim. And so we are in debt because of sin. We continue to sin. The wages of sin is death. We have no inheritance. The earth has been defiled. The adversary has taken dominion. And so our inheritance, which was supposed to be the earth, this is what Yahuwah gave us. We destroyed it. We rejected Elohim. The devil takes over and takes away dominion over the earth, takes it away from us. And so we're left with nothing to look forward to, right? This is why Isaiah 24, 3 down to 6, which is describing what's happening now. This is describing now, brethren. This is what's happening now. The earth is falling apart. The sky is decaying. Everything's decaying. And it's because of the curse. Yahuwah leaves humanity to themselves and the devil, the devil takes over. But something will happen. This will not last forever. This decay will, will come to its climactic conclusion. When? 19 and 20. The earth will crack and shatter and split open. The earth itself will stagger like a drunk, sway like a hut in a storm. The world is weighed down by its sins. It will collapse and never rise. Again, so mankind has lost the earth. That was supposed to be their inheritance. They lost the earth because of their sin. Because of sin, what happened to the earth? It is going to collapse. They cannot afford it. Human beings cannot afford keeping the earth because it's already filled with too much sin. It's weighed down by sin. It's going to collapse, never to rise again. And so when this happens, when judgment comes, what will happen to the earth? What will happen after it falls, never to rise again? Well, we read 20. Let's read 21 to 23. A time is coming when Yahuwah will punish the powers above because he knows our fight is really not against flesh and blood, but by spiritual powers, right? Because they basically took over the earth. They took over the people who rejected Elohim. And so Yahuwah will punish them. He will punish the powers above and the rulers of the earth. Elohim will crowd kings together like prisoners in a pit. He will shut them in prison until the time of their punishment comes. The moon will grow dark and the sun will no longer shine for Yahuwah Almighty will be king. He will rule in Jerusalem on Mount Zion and the leaders of the people will see his glory. And so what is this describing? It's describing the harpazo and then the, the woes that will happen, the, I mean, the, uh, the wrath of Yahuwah. All the kings of the earth will be like put in a pit in a prison. The transfer of ownership or dominion of the earth will be taken away from the, the, the powers above and be given to the king. So that through the king, Yahuwah will rule Jerusalem on Mount Zion and the leaders of the people will see his glory. What is that describing? The millennial kingdom, right? And so this will begin to take place when the trumpet 
seven. The seventh trumpet is blown. King Yahusha appears. The kingdoms of the earth are given to him. Why are the kingdoms of the earth given to Yahusha? Because mankind messed up. He did not do a good job. He defiled the earth. And so he has a problem that he cannot solve for himself because he cannot pay for the wages of his own sin. He cannot do the work of undefiling or reversing the defilement of the earth. The adversary is taken over, shatan. And so there's only one solution. You know what that one solution is? You know what mankind needs? What does mankind need? So that he can again inherit the earth. What he needs is the goel. What is that? The kinsman, redeemer. Do you remember our study in Ruth and the grand entrance of the lamb, which we studied before, right? In one of our BHPs concerning the book of Revelation, we studied all about the goel. What is the goel? The kinsman, redeemer. In the, New, in the Old Testament, Yahuwah gave the opportunity for someone who is overcome by debt, right? And so he's been enslaved for someone who is next of kin to come along and redeem the land that he lost because of his debts. And in the process, if, he, if need be, he can also act to avenge whatever he, however he was mistreated. And so this was the kinsman redeemer. Because of the problems of mankind, man needs a kinsman redeemer. Well, for a goel to be the kinsman redeemer, he has to do four things. Number one, he has to be a kinsman. He has to be a human being. He cannot be an angel. He has to be a human being. He has to be able. In other words, he has to be without sin. Because how can he, uh, because of one of the problems of man is the wages of sin. And so he has to be able. He has to be willing. It has to be his desire, his will, because he doesn't have to be the goel, the kingdom redeemer. And you have to, this person has to be willing to assume all the obligations of the beneficiary, in this case, mankind. And he was also the avenger of blood. And so a kinsman redeemer is what is needed. But who is worthy? Who can act as the kinsman redeemer so that the earth, which has been defiled, so that sin, which leads to death, can be redeemed and restored. Who can be the kinsman redeemer? Revelation 5, 1 to 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll. And to lose its seals. On Apostle for a while, we've studied this before. If you, still, if you still remember, this scroll that is sealed with seven seals needs to be understood with the context of the, the Roman times during the first century. During that time, there was whenever there's a book or a scroll that was sealed, it means there were conditions on the exterior. And so the seal with seven seals by Roman law. Uh, certain documents like a will, a testament, a birth certificate, a title deed, it was sealed with seven seals. If there was writing on the outside, it was usually instructions about its opening. And so in Revelation 5, when it mentions there's this seal, sealed with seven seals, it's like a title deed, a will. In other words, 
it is the will or the deed that can be transferred, given to mankind. But for this to happen, the will must be fulfilled so that the title deed can be given. This was the title deed to the earth. What happened to the earth? It was defiled. And so before it can be restored, there has to be a kinsman redeemer. This is why the Bible says, who is worthy to open the scroll and to open the scroll and to lose its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it because this person has to be of kin, a kinsman redeemer. He has to be human being, a human being, not an angel, not a celestial being. So who's worthy? So I wept much. Apostle John wept because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. If no one was worthy to open the, the, the scroll or even look at it, then how can it be fulfilled? But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its seven seals. And so there was someone worthy. Who is that? The lion of the tribe of Judah. The lamb of Yahuwah. So the problem of mankind can be erased. The problem of mankind can be rectified. It can be redeemed. Why? Because we have a kinsman redeemer. Who is the, the lion of Judah? Who is the lamb of Abba? Who is that? Yahusha. And so the problem of mankind would be solved. First, the, de the death because of sin. The wages of sin leading to death. That was solved when Yahusha became the Lamb of God. He was slaughtered, killed for our sin. But he's not yet finished. He's not only the Lamb of God. He's also the Lion of Judah. He's going to be king. And so when he becomes king, we're going to have our inheritance. The earth will be restored to us, redeemed for us. And the adversary would be avenged. Or the adversary would be removed, right? To avenge for us who are victims of the adversary. So the content of the seven seals, which includes the trumpets, details how the earth, which is presently defiled by sin, will be redeemed, evil destroyed, and the earth given to the bride of Yahusha, who will rule with him. And this is why when that seventh trumpet is blown, we're going to be ruling with our king Yahusha. That's why the Bible says, and you should reward your servants. And at the bottom, those who are not with Yahusha, they will be destroyed. Those who destroy the earth. And so what we find in the seven trumpets is how the earth was defiled and how the king would be its kinsman, redeemer. Do you see it? Right? And so the first seven, the first six trumpets, it's all about human beings destroying each other and defiling and destroying the earth. And in the seventh trumpet, Yahushua appears to be our kinsman redeemer and takes the process, begins the process of redeeming the earth, ruling over the earth through his co-rulers, who are those who are kings and priests of Abba through our king Yahushua. This will be done in the, the millennial kingdom. This is why the seven trumpets 
when you look at the first, the six trumpets, it all involves mankind misusing his ability, not instead of taking care of the earth and as human beings, they misuse their ability to destroy the earth and each other. And this is going to reach its apex in trumpet number six, which you will see, you will see in our future studies. And so you will see the pattern of human beings having the ability to destroy each other. And this spirit of destruction will make its first appearance in trumpet five. Okay? It's going to be, I mean, it's already here. I mean, ever since then, the destruction's always been present. But it's going to be amplified in trumpet number five. It's going to have its maximum effect in trumpet number six. And then the king comes. And the earth is going to be redeemed as its kingdom, kingsman redeemer, to be given to the bride. The bride, together with the king, they will rule over the earth in the millennial kingdom. So we're going to have our inheritance after all. But who are those who will truly have that inheritance? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. Ephesians 1, 11 and 14. In him, in Yahushua, also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Mashiach, should be to pray to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Who are those who will inherit the earth as redeemed by our kinsman redeemer, Yahushua, the, Mash the Mashiach. They are those who trust in Yahushua. They are those who go to Yahushua for their salvation. By trusting him, they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is what will determine whether or not we will inherit the earth. And then the next phase after that, heavenly kingdom right and so the key there is those who were sealed with the holy spirit there are those who are asking well who how can we know if a person is saved they have the seal of the holy spirit without the seal it doesn't matter which religious organization you belong to it doesn't matter what matters is whether or not you were sealed with the holy spirit who are those who be sealed those who receive the gospel and because of the gospel, they trust in Yahushua and in Yahuwah. And they receive the seal of the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glory. So brothers and sisters, no matter what happens, don't be surprised that the world's falling apart. That's because people rejected Allahim. And because of this, Yahuwah stepped back and let humankind govern their own selves. And that's when the devil comes and continues to destroy and influence mankind so that we end up destroying each other, destroying the earth. But the kinsman redeemer will be the one to restore everything for us. And so place our trust in our king, Yahushua. Place our trust in our father, Yahuwah, so that we can receive the inheritance that is promised for each and every one of us. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Abba. Merciful and loving Yahuwah Allahim. Thank you because you do not give up on us. 
You love us, which is why you gave us your son. Thank you, loving Abba, because despite of what we have done, the sins we have committed by speech, by thought, by deed, you give us ample opportunities to return to you in repentance that we may be received by you and receive the stamp of your ownership, the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray for your spirit to guide us, to empower us, to strengthen us, because the world indeed is falling apart quickly. Loving Abba, we cannot survive on our own. We need your power in us. It's only by your power and by your spirit that we can prevail and overcome. Manifest yourself when we pray to you, when we study your book, when we meet for worship. Loving Abba, we need you. Do not be far from us. This world is indeed dark. Many people have replaced you, rejected you, and mocked you. Even those who profess to be Christians, they even mock your name. Loving Abba, Yahuwah, have mercy upon us. We have no one to turn to. We have no one to hold on to. We have no one who can sustain us but you. Loving Abba, help us. We stand because of you. We can do things because of you. Loving Father, have mercy upon all of us. When we pray to you because we are sick, when we pray to you because we have problems, when we pray to you because we are depressed and lonely, when we pray to you because we're losing hope, send your Holy Spirit. Do something to help us, to comfort us, to strengthen us. You have done this before. Please have mercy to do it again. We need your help. So many people are suffering from hardship even from poverty. Rescue your people. Provide for our needs. Bless our families as well. We do not reject you. We turn to you. We call upon your name. Yahuwah. Yahuwah Elohim. Manifest yourself at this moment. Our King Yahushua. Thank you so much. You are the expression of Yahuwah's unfailing love. Yahushua, you are our king, our kinsman redeemer. You will come back. We will see you again appearing in the sky. We will look for you. We will watch for you. Help us to train our minds and our hearts that we may fix them on you, not upon the things of this earth that we will be devoted to you as your bride in these last days, awaiting for your sacred return. Father, please forgive us our sins. Help us to repent. Help us to return to you and to hold on to you until the end. We believe, Abba, you have listened to our prayers. You have blessed your people throughout the world. For we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.